Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 291. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Iron Solutions, powered by Randall Riley. All right, so I got John Womack here with me. He is the, uh, I guess, John, what, what is your title? What is your title? Um, actually, the, uh, the managing guide editor um, for Iron Solutions. So manage all the numbers uh, that you see inside of Iron Guides. Uh, options, so on and so forth. Right on. Okay. Right on. And they have been, um, they were out at, at Moving Iron Summit. They had, had a, uh, Prescott gave a nice, nice speech about what was going on. John, you're up there too, about what was happening in the marketplace and what you saw seeing with, with all the crazy stuff we see happening right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess as the, as the guide editor managing all the numbers and those kind of things right now, has got to have a few, um, I, I guess, it's probably a little more difficult now than it was when when the prices were sliding. I've got to believe. Yeah, it's uh, there's there are certain things that are more difficult than others. Uh, I guess the main I guess the main thing that we're watching right now is you know we've uh, we've enjoyed um, you know pretty high prices um, you know on tractors uh, you know sprayers uh, probably some combines you know too but. Uh, but the the main thing that we're watching now is you know all good things must come to an end. So when is that going to start sliding um, back down? And uh, uh, you know what are the early indicators that we're trying to uh, trying to figure out so we can give uh, dealers the most uh, you know accurate information to uh, to uh, predict that slide. Um, you know I guess I guess you could say so. Uh, but yes, these are very uh, abnormal times. Um, of course, everyone, you know, everyone that deals with equipment very much, uh, very much knows that. So, um, so yeah, so basically what we're trying to do is figure out when these times are going to go back to what we would call the normal times, I guess you could say. Yeah. And there's going to be some, some pain that comes along with that. I guess, John, as you're looking at what's happening in the marketplace right now and numbers you're seeing, I, I'm looking at this from a, you know, if you have it now, there's a premium that, that, that you can, you can get it because you're probably the only one that has it. And not just your area, but probably 
in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a premium that comes along with that. I guess as you're looking at, at some of these values and you start seeing these things start to change, is there how much do you think how much do you think that premium in the marketplace right now is representative of the price? Do you have a do you have a percentage in your mind that that to me because to me it's like twenty five percent. I think there's about a twenty five percent premium out there that when when things get back to normal or what new new normal looks like or what that is, um, there's going to be a slide there somewhere. And I guess so. Just your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean you got to. I mean it's definitely right. I'm. I mean if I was gonna if I was gonna say a percentage, I would definitely say. Um, somewhere between uh, 15 to probably 25%, depending on what piece of equipment you're talking about. And um, that's very evident in auctions, um, you know, right now. So why are guys paying paying the high price at auctions that they are? Because the machine's right in front of them. They sure. can get it. And their dealer down the road that they've been doing business with for years just flat out can't. And the guy needs a tractor. He needs a, he needs a combine. He needs, uh, you know, he needs a four-wheel drive. Sure. You know, so uh, so or it needs a header or a big truck, whatever. And you know, and also too, I was talking to Dealer about this um yesterday. Um one of the things that uh, is being a little bit overlooked on the auction side that you know, used to auctions you would go and get, you know, 50, 60 cents on the dollar. Why? Because there was there was very little financing involved, if there was financing involved. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of warranty stuff involved, you know, or anything else. But nowadays it's, you know, guys are standing there waiting, you know, waving, saying, Hey, you come finance with us. And then you have, uh, uh, you have, uh, you know, companies out there like, you know, like machinery scope to where you can go up there and put, sure. a, uh, put a warranty on it. Um, you know, so, so I, so, uh, so I still think that, uh, you know, the auction values are going to, you know, stay, you know, they're going to continue to stay high. Why? Because the farmer can go then that day and get, you know, and get that piece of equipment. But I think that it's, uh, it's very much inflated now um, because nobody else has it. Right. Um, You know, so, uh, so to answer answer your question, I would, I would say, you know, the inflated values on these 20, 25% um, is probably a good, a good area. And on some tractors, depending on what tractor it is, could be more than that. Yeah. Well, I I think there's, Another thing I've been I've been thinking about and paying attention to, and I'd love to have your feedback on this, is that if you look at the number of machines that were produced in 21, 22, and then now 23, uh, 24 is yet you know to do to be determined at this point. But mm-hmm. if you start looking at at what twenty three looks like, obviously twenty three is going to be a lot like twenty two was as far as uh, capacity and those kind of things. There may be some ramp up late fourth quarter uh, of twenty three going into twenty four, but you know it, it's so hard to say. What that looks like, I guess, as you look at those years, and then you start tracking out, you know, when when a when a twenty twenty one is three years old, and a twenty twenty two is one year old, and and or a twenty three is one year old, and twenty two is two year old, and so on and so forth down the line. There's going to be a gap there where there's just not the machine population that we've seen up until this point. Mm-hmm. I guess as you're looking at, at, you know, your crystal ball, may, maybe it's clearer than mine is, but mine's mostly foggy and and murky is, is all get out. But I guess as you're looking at at that that kind of time frame moving forward, to me it feels like there could be a group of machines that 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 tend to be a higher um value comparatively to what we've seen in the past for age machines, just because 
you know, for five years, those that group of equipment is going to be what you have to pick from for used equipment, mm-hmm. and and what that looks like. So there's going to be a, a, I think, a natural propping up of pricing. Have you given that much thought, and 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 how are you thinking about that as you as you look at the at your pricing guys? Yeah, I mean, I very much have, um, you know, and, and it and it also depends upon you know when you say you say a natural propping up, mm-hmm. but you also got to think about too. Um, how much has the price, how much have, how many price increases have we seen with that, sure. you know, with that propping up? So, you know, like when I think, uh, when I think about, you know, one of the biggest price increases I've seen, it's been with, uh, it's been with combines here lately. Um, and, you know, a lot of guys have been asking like, okay, so what's the trickle down effect of this? You know, so same thing with inventory. So what's the trickle down effect of it? On the con- on the combine side, I think that you have like, a, you have a lot of price protection there. Um, especially like on your 22s and 23s. Um, well, I say 22s. It's going to be, uh, in my opinion, it's going to be a lot easier to trade a guy into a 22 um, because you can show that gap between the 22 and the 23. Uh, so there's some pri- so there's some price protection there. But moving but moving forward, yes, there's going to be um, there's going to be a substantially less amount of equipment. And, uh, you know, and it is going to prop it up. I don't necessarily, I can't tell you, uh, realistically what kind of percentage we're looking at there. Um, but, but that stuff I know will sell, um, it has to, um, sell at a higher value and it's going to, um, maintain a higher, a higher percentage of its beginning MSRP. Why? Because it's the simple laws of supply and demand. If it's not there, and the demands there for it, then it's gonna it's gonna have a premium, you know, a premium price, yeah. uh, similar to what we're seeing right now with every piece of equipment. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, yeah, yeah, and that's one of those things too. Like we're, you know, you just talked about the twenty five percent premium, those kind of things. I don't know that that my vision and view of of how that that slide looks like. I don't think it's going to be nearly as impactful as as what we've seen in the past you know mm-hmm. when, when when things have slid off and in, in, into the abyss there yep. i don't i don't know i mean don't get me wrong it's still gonna you know you're still gonna see some erosion and value for what we see now but it's i don't think it's gonna be nearly as impactful as what we saw um coming out of like 12 into 13 and 14 i just don't i don't see that happening that craziness i, I agree um what i have said is is that i think we're gonna see some guys taking a bath on equipment but i don't necessarily know if it's gonna be a bloodbath no. Um, it could, it could be, I'm not saying it's not going to be, but I mean, it's, it, it very well could be, but you know, when you look back to what we got into 12, 13 is that, you know, we had the amount of inventory to get us in trouble. Yeah. Um, now we don't necessarily have that, you yeah. know, have that issue. So we, it's not like we have a lot backing up full of inventory that we're not going to be able to get rid of. Right. I mean, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about just a second ago. If you've got it, chances are you can get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I, I do think that there's going to end up, I mean, there's uh, there's going to be some dealers that have too many dollars and stuff, probably mostly combines, um, because they had to give them a little bit too much money to get the deal. And that's just kind of a can that gets kicked down the road. Um, and then it's going to end up, you know, maybe biting some folks in the end. But like I said, I don't necessarily think that it's going to just flip over overnight, right? Um, like we have seen before. Um, but we got to get some more inventory in and some more things moving before that even can consider happening. Sure, yeah, and that's that's a, that's the biggest difference between now and, and what we saw in the past is that we're not selling into you know a hundred and plus used combines in your inventory. You know, not you know we're not selling into you know 
90 row crop tractors and then your inventory, those kind of things. It's not, you don't have that number, those numbers that you see. So that, that national, that initial buildup of inventory is going to take a while. Right. And absolutely. when you don't have the backflow to fill it up, it's going to take even longer. So it, it, there's an opportunity that this could be a significantly softer landing, but there's a lot of things out there right now that, you know, if the economy slows down, we start seeing these continued right raises and um, uh, interest rates, those kind of things, that's all going to start playing a big effect. It, you know, in interest rates, so, you know, I've been looking at, been looking at, you know, how that's going to be a very bank contributor along with commodity prices. You know, when you got to, if you're watching, you know, watching those, and that's very much what I'm paying attention to for a lot of reasons. But if we see interest rate hike and the commodities come down, well, that's can pretty much tell you what's about to happen. Right. But, but what I've been watching is how quickly the Fed has been raising these prices or these interest rates. And they kind of, you know, it doesn't uh, doesn't take into account a whole lot of ripple effect there. It's just like it just keeps going and going and going and going. So when a crash happens, I, I wonder how hard it's actually going to be. And then when it then when that happens, I would think that if they can if they continue the behavior that they have that they've been going with, then they might slide down. Excuse me, very very quickly. Right. Um. So that's going to be interesting to watch and see what. Uh, you know what hap- what happens there um but uh but yeah i've been watching some uh watching some commodity prices you know and stuff and stuff like that too and you know if we take it into account you know what uh what's going on with ukraine um you know and every you know and everything else and some other you know and some other grain markets um i mean they very well could you know could stay could stay pretty strong yeah so i mean it's just going to be something we're going to have to keep watching yeah and i think that's the uh I, I, I've thought about that too when it comes to interest rates and and how you how you look at what's going on in the marketplace. That how much effect is interest rates going to going to play on on the overall pricing of equipment? So if you start looking at, you know, if, I mean the 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 one thing about this I will say is that when I started this business, um, you know, five and a half and six and a half percent interest rates were not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will say that the price of equipment was about a half as much as it is now. Right. Yeah. But that being said, um, that uh, you, know, you go almost twenty years of zero percent interest rates, you know, two percent interest rates, those kind of things. It's a big shock to the system. And mm-hmm. but I guess as you look at the pricing of equipment, what are your thoughts? I mean, are you, right now you don't you're not seeing it right now. But if things continue to slow down, you see some kind of a whatever correction in in, in uh, commodity prices or whatever it might be. You can start seeing the pricing of equipment be affected by you know two, three, four, five percent just because of what interest rates are. Mm-hmm. You give it you, like you kind of alluded to that a little bit ago, but are you start are you are you paying attention to that from a from a factor standpoint and and also like some maybe farmer sediment surveys that are out there that are that are going to be kind of talking about what they see happening in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely because you got to think about it. So like you know a farmer. Um, farmer comes in and he wants to trade his equipment. Well, it's going to cost X amount of X amount of dollars to step him up. Right. Well, X amount of dollars at two percent means one thing. X amount of dollars at six or seven percent means something totally different. Thing. Yeah. Um. Right. So you know. So that's one of the things that's been that's been in my mind for quite some time now. Um. Is that so? At what point in time do farmers just push back from the table and say, "Hey, can't do it this year." Yeah. 
Um, you know, so, so yeah, so that's, uh, so that's, you know, one of the things that we've been very much paying, you know, very much paying attention to farmer surveys, um, and, you know, talking to farmers, um, and getting, you know, and getting an idea of, you know, uh, what their, you know, what their thoughts are. I'm not very far removed, um, you know, from, from, uh, speaking with farmers back in the days of, you know, selling equipment. Um, so I still call, you know, plenty of them up and say, Hey, so what's your, you know, what's your thought process here? And, you know, I talk to guys that do, uh, that do mud deals every year. I talk to guys that don't do mud deals every year, guys that are huge, guys that are considered somewhat smaller, um, and just trying to, you know, try to get their idea. But also too, you know, I do pay attention to the, uh, uh, you know, some of the US, uh, USDA stuff that's sure. out there, um, you know, and every, you know, and everything else trying to just trying to stay as in tune with the market, um, as we possibly can. Um, because, you know, a farmer, if you get enough farmers saying the same thing, that right there can tell you exactly what equipment's going to do. Oh, sure. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk about the iron guides, what that is, how it works, all that kind of stuff. So the iron guides, um, is a, uh, is a product, um, that, uh, that we put together to, um, help try to guide dealers, I guess you could say in the right direction when it comes to, uh, when it comes to pricing pricing equipment um so we start with we start with a, a base value which would be uh, the cash value and then from then from that cash value you have uh you have four more um prices that are available um so if you count the cash value that means five so we have a wholesale value a trade rough value trade premium value cash value and advertised value and when you're going when you're uh, when you're going through iron guides there's a usage adjustment there um, that usage adjustment is just for usage. There's no other depreciation or anything like that. That's, uh, uh, that's inside that usage adjustment. And then we also give you a, uh, we give you an average of reconditioning, uh, what that reconditioning average is there for on any piece of equipment. It would, uh, it's an average that we throw, that we put in there. So if a dealer is going to take a trade in and he wants to see right around what it might cost him to, to run it through his shop without going back and, you know, talking to a service department and everything like that. We're hoping that's the number that we're hoping to get there with. So to push a combine or a tractor or something like that through the shop, uh, fluid filters, wash, put it out there on the line. That's really what that average number, what that average number is there for. And then, uh, you know, so that's, so that's kind of your, your, what we call your basic iron guides. And then from there, we build on that with, uh, with our comparables tool. Um, we have a, uh, we have a tool that, uh, that will allow you to compare, advertised auction and retail sold data um, that we have. So talking about retail sold data for a second, everyone asks uh, when it comes, when it comes to iron guides, you know, um, how do you get your values? Where do your values come from? Uh, the main, our main source of data um, is our retail sold data. Um, so how we actually get that is uh, so Casey, uh, you sell a piece of equipment uh, for, you know, for 21st century and then you mark that sold inside of uh, inside of your system, and then you put a cash value in for it, and then it comes directly to us, and then it goes through what we call a normalization process, which means it is adjusted for hours, seasonality, and uh, and options to to acquire a base value, and then from there, that's uh, that's how we come up with those uh, with those base cash values, and it just uh, you know it just kind of goes from there. Right on. Okay. When you are, uh, when you're talking with, with your team and you're looking at the things that are going on and that come into those things, talk about the usage, uh, 
your your usage uh, how'd you say it usage usage adjustment yeah usage adjustment talk about that a little bit so so what the usage adjustment um is there for like i was talking about a second ago is it's just for the usage so um and i found out that's that uh sometimes that's a little confusing um you know to a dealer so uh because a dealer when a dealer's going and looking at a piece of equipment um Y'all are taking about 10 steps and rolling that all into one and saying, well, we're going to trade for $300 an hour on a combine, um, you know, or something like that. So a dealer is going to look at, you know, uh, my usage adjustment on a combine, which is, you know, if it's a uh, if it's a late model combine, it's anywhere between $70 to $80 an hour um, starting at $70 or $80 an hour. So a dealer is going to look at going to look at my value and going to say, Wow, that's not even close. I'm trading for three, three fifty an hour. Well, and the reason the reason why that is is because the majority of the time, uh, a dealer's taking into account the depreciation of the overall machine, taking into account the usage of the machine, and sometimes there's actually some you know reconditioning and everything like that that's ro- that's rolled into that number. Well, we take the three the a three step approach to a dealer one step approach because there's a for a couple reasons for that. Number one, we don't have a lot full of equipment like a dealer like a dealer would. And number two is you really have to separate the depreciation of that machine with the usage and the reconditioning of that machine. And the reason why is because, you know, you might have a combine or a tractor that has $3,000 worth of reconditioning in it, but you also might have that same combine or same tractor that has, you know, anywhere from... Five thousand dollars to fifteen thousand dollars worth of worth of reconditioning in it, and all those numbers mean something. So we start with like I was talking about that base that base cash value. It has been depreciated or appreciated depending on where we see it going in the market, and then you have a usage adjustment, which is just a straight um, deduction or premium to that piece of equipment depending on uh, the average hours that's on the uh, that's on that piece or the hours that's on it. Uh, of that piece of equipment and the average hours that we have, depending on uh, what type make model year it is. And then from there you go down to your reconditioning. So it's a three, so it's a three-step approach um, that, and it's, and it's been, been a little confusing just because it's not necessarily how a dealer would normally do it, but it's kind of how we have to do it just for, you know, a lot of, a lot of the differences that we have compared to, you know, what a dealer has. Right. Okay, that makes sense. <clears throat> I guess it's because you're looking at it from a just a pure, purely. I don't know if depreciation is the right word or just just hours how they how they blend in there to make just the physical. I don't know what the word is here, but yeah, it's it's just a it's it's a pure <laughs> sliding scale. Um, right. is what it is what it is. Uh, and you know I've uh, talked about how you know how many farmers I talked to. I also talked to that many dealers as well. I was talking to a dealer not too long ago. And, you know, he was saying that, uh, uh, he's like, you know, it, it seems like that you're used to the adjustments off there. And so we get to talking about that and I was like, okay, so, you know, where do you think this usage adjustment needs to be? And he, he throws me a number and I said, okay, I said, so let's, let's test this for a second. So we did our usage adjustment. We went down and did our reconditioning adjustment. We added those two numbers together. And when you take into account what his usage adjustment would have been at his number. We were within a thousand dollars of each other. Yeah. Um, but, but he wasn't taking into account that reconditioning. So therefore he was, uh, he was looking at it like we were $12,000 off. 
Right. But we weren't. We were right around nine hundred dollars, as a matter of fact. Right. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. I think that's one big misconception about Aaron Solutions Guidebook is that is that disconnection right there, uh, what you just explained. And I, I think if you look at, to be honest with you, I've been around Iron Solutions for a long time, and that was up until just the other day when you explained it to me on our when we had our had our, had our meeting that we talked about stuff, and I had no earthly clue how you got that number. And to me, I'm like this. this you're so far off, John. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't make any it doesn't sense. Make a, it doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. yeah. And and uh and that's and that's the reason why um since taking over uh as managing guide editor, I took over in January and it's been uh a very uh a very big thing um to me to reach out to as many dealers as I possibly can and you know, ask those questions, um talk you know, talk to them about iron guides, get their feedback on the actual iron guide product and See if there's anything more that we need to talk about, like reconditioning, like usage, um, like where the values come from, um, you know, talking about our uh, our comparables tool, talking about our other equipment tool, um, you know, and uh, and and everything else. So in, in getting in getting those questions and and being able to provide answers at any, you know, at, to those to those questions right then. And, you know, uh, it's like I've told uh you know, many, many people um, in the past is nothing replaces good old fashioned shoe leather. So right. we can send out, uh, we live in a world now to where, you know, you can, you can pick this thing up right here and you can basically look at anything that you want to look at. Well, I mean, Casey, how many, how many emails do you get a day? Okay. A million more than I need. Too many, <laughs> yeah, say too many to count. I do too. Um, yep. How many things do you get in the mail there? You know, that uh, yeah. like 90% of it goes in the trash, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, because like, oh, it's, you know, this same flyer, you know, or whatever. And so that's, so that's the thing is, you know, some guys will, some guys will open up emails and they'll, and they'll read them. I'm not trying to say it's completely lost on everyone. Some guys will open their actual direct mail and read it. However, the majority are not going to do that. Right. Um, why? Because they've already been bombarded from everyone else. So that, so this is the reason why I have started picking up the phone, calling dealers, um, scheduling Zoom calls with them so we can, you know, pretty much be as face-to-face as we as we can be um, and and just talking. And, you know, sometimes those, uh, these meetings last uh, an hour. Um, I think the longest one that I've done has been about two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I have about 10 or 12 questions that I ask dealers. And there's a lot of things that uh, you know that come that come out of those twelve questions. You wouldn't think it would take over two hours to answer twelve questions, but there's a lot of times we take a lot longer than that, and the twelve questions don't get answered. Right. Uh, you know. So, um, but uh, you know, there's there's just been tons and tons and tons of feedback that I've gotten uh, from dealers that I take into account, and I take that into account just just as much as I would say what we were talking about earlier with commodities and interest rates. You know, and every uh, you know and everything else. Um, because, you know, you can get, you can provide all the data in the world, um, and you can, uh, be, you know, as good, as good as you want to be. However, if the perception of your product is not there, then nothing else really matters. Right. Very, uh, very good point. Very good point. Um, well, John, I think that's, kind of a, a good wrap up there of, of what of the uh iron guys any last statements you want to throw out there before we shut down the podcast um well if there's if there's any dealers out there that uh, um that hasn't met with me uh whether you're an iron guide user or not 
Um, this is not just customers that I'm reaching out to. Um, I'd love to talk to anyone um, that uh, that has any questions about the Iron Guide. Um, any data questions, anything about any products, um, you know, or anything like that, um, please, uh, please call us. Let me know. Email me. Um, if you see me at a show um, or something like that, don't be shy. Walk up to me. Let's uh, let's chit chat. Let's talk um, and let's get a uh, let's get an understanding of, you know, where everyone's where everyone's at. I mean, I want to uh, I want to talk to everyone. Um I'm a guy that doesn't uh, that doesn't shy away or back away from a uh, from a conversation, um, you know, with uh, with anyone. And and you know, mainly what I'm after is so how does you know how does Casey Seymour in Nebraska look at equipment compared to how a guy might look at equipment uh, in the Delta, um, or someone in California, um, or someone in North Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, or some or something like that. And uh, and try to get an idea, try to get an idea of everything, and all of that definitely plays into, you know, what uh, what we're doing here. So yep. I want to extend that out to everyone. So what's the best way for them to do that? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, you can shoot me uh, an e- email. Would probably I know I was just talking about email, but email would probably be the best way to get uh, to get the ball rolling. Um, so uh, my email is uh, John J O N, uh, last name Walmack. W O M M A C K at RandallRiley.com. Um, so we can, so if you'd like to do that, just, uh, shoot me an email. We can, uh, we can get the, get the ball rolling there. Most of the time, as soon as someone shoots me an email, I'll shoot, I'll give them a phone call and, uh, ask them if they'd like to do a zoom call or, you know, I'm actually doing dealer visits as well. I'm actually going to visit a dealer on, uh, on Friday. And, uh, that'll be, I think the fourth one that, uh, uh, that I've actually visited uh, visited this year, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but uh, you know you can't can't uh, you can't be gone from the office too often. Right on. No, that's that's a that's a very good point. Well, well, John, I appreciate you being the podcast man. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, looking forward to moving iron next year. Wow, me too. All yeah. right, man. All right, buddy. Well, <clears throat> I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can find me on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and the ever so cleverly named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. You can see the video version of this podcast there. So if you uh, need more information about what's going on at Moving Iron LLC, go to movingironllc.com. You can find all the information there, blog posts, all the podcasts, and all the information for the 2023 Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th in Nashville at the same hotel it was last year at the Hilton downtown. So check that out if you're interested in uh, getting some more information there. I'll have more speaker information, those kind of things, towards the uh, end of the year, and uh, we'll get more of that lined up there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with John Womack. Let's move smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. 
TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. In the 21st century Hard work 